Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to a brand new episode of paratruth radio my name is justin and i'm eric and tonight we've got a very interesting topic uh something eric and i have never done before so it'll be interesting to get into conversation with dr megan rose about her book spirit marriage intimate relationships with otherworldly beings now, Megan has a doctorate in East-West Psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies and a master's degree in Religion and Society from the Graduate Theological Union. She is an initiated ceremonial magician, a Shakta Tantric practitioner, and a senior seer in the house of Bry Ferry Seership Institute. She serves as an ordained interfaith minister and psycho-spiritual counselor and is the executive director of the Entheosis Institute. So without further ado, I'm going to go to the line with Dr. Megan Rose. Dr. Megan Rose, welcome to Paratruth Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So we've got you on to talk about your book, Spirit Marriage intimate relationships with otherworldly beings. And um, I will admit to you, when I saw this book, both Eric and I were like, that sounds really weird. And it could be just the society that we've grown up in. Uh, you know, both Eric and I were, were raised Christian, so it could be something with that too. Um, but what is a spirit spiritual marriage or spirit marriage? Yeah, well, I mean, if y'all were raised Christian, then you've probably heard of uh, the nuns in the Catholic tradition who marry Jesus, right? They take vows, they put on a ring, they are celibate and married uh, ostensibly to Jesus and to the church. So it's really not all that different from that. It's just by and large outside of the purview of Christianity, um, meaning that Christianity has this practice in spades. I mean, I could go through the story of, you know, the Virgin Mary and the Immaculate Conception and the story of her, her um, cousin Elizabeth and that conception. And <clears throat> so there's precedent within this in, within Christianity, but, you know, Christianity kind of came along and said, if you talk to our spirits and our deities, you're cool. And if you don't, and talk to anybody else outside of the auspices of Christianity, then it's bad and dangerous and we're gonna sort of try and suppress it. So I like to call this a practice that's been hidden in plain sight, meaning, you know, um, it's there if you scratch the surface of most religions, um, but because that um, it has received um, 
negative attention and in some cases have just been actively suppressed, we either don't hear about it or we hear about it in, um, in sort of derogatory terms. So to just give you a really brief definition, spirit marriage is the intimate bonded relationship between a human and an otherworldly being like a deity, an angel, a god or a goddess, um, an ancestor in some cases, uh, elemental beings. I mean, there's a whole laundry list of potential paranormal spirits or otherworldly spirits that, that humans have and continue to be in a devoted relationship to. Okay. So when it comes to these marriages, then we're, we're looking at marri- someone marrying uh, an entity that is beyond human, something that isn't a human entity per se. Um, now, I know like a few, several months back, there was a news article about a woman who married a spirit, a ghost who happened to be a pirate. And she's been going over like years, right. I think. Actually, so, I mean, I, when we when we saw your book, that's what we were kind of thinking, like, wait a second. Is this like a thing? You just go meet a ghost and, you know, <laughs> how does that work? But <laughs> but that's not what you're talking about here in this book. This is something different. Well, no, I mean, I would say that that story, that woman's phenomenal, phenomenological experience of it is probably not all that different than mm-hmm. the folks that I interviewed for my research. Um, her story got sensationalized. We don't know how much of it she sensationalized herself and made sure. it just sort of sound a little goofy. But what I really wanted to do with my research was to track this both anthropologically, historically, and folklorically, as well as interview contemporary practitioners who undertake spirit marriage. And lest we think it's just this really niche weird thing in this one particular area, I found practitioners all over the world, right, in a variety of different traditions that use this practice as part of their spiritual technology, as part of uh, a way that one steps into a deeply devoted relationship with a paranormal being. Um, and I mean, and I'm still getting contacted by, by folks who are like, oh, you know, I practice this in this tradition. I'm the, you know, I just recently found out how the Hawaiian, um, the Hawaiian sh- shamanic practitioners or the kahunas of Hawaii trace their lineage back to a marriage to the goddess Pele that uh, one of the, um, one of the, the surfing kahuna schools there um, actually says that they're descended from uh, one of their ancestors who was married to goddess Pele and they still undertake that. So, I mean, it, it's showing up in uh, many earth-based visionary spiritual traditions, but it's also there in mainstream religion, as we just talked about um, in the instance of Christianity. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to get this question out of the way because I know a lot of, uh, especially people that are of the Christian faith that listen to our show are going to probably ask this or, or whatever. Um, say you get into this, the spiritual marriage or relationship. How do you, how would you know that it is not a, I'm not going to call it demon, but negative entity that you're getting into a relationship with, or can you really tell the difference? Well, I think that's a great question. And people ask that all the time. So here's the way I parse that out. We're talking about spirit marriage. 
not spirit dating. So, so very much like you would want to get to know a human individual that you are becoming intimate with or becoming committed to, you have to use your discernment. How do we really ever know if the humans that we're getting involved with are going to be a good relationship, a bad relationship, somewhere in between. We have to spend time getting to know them, right? We have to spend time discerning. We have to use our, um, our five senses and our extra senses to really assess any relationship, whether it's with a physical human or an uh, a non-physical being. And um, in the sense, uh, or in the case of spirit marriage, what we're talking about is an advanced practice. So there's practices like channeling and mediumship and spirit communication, right, that happen where you might be working with a variety of different beings. Um, spirit marriage happens much later down the, the line when you are establishing a really deep devotional relationship with a being that um, usually at the request of the being has asked to marry you. Um, and there in these traditions and most of the traditions that I interviewed, um, there's a protocol, there's a practice, and there is a community around you. So you have checks and balances, you have uh, mentors and people in your community that are helping assess the, and, and, and discern, right? Discernment is, is, is huge. Like discern the outcome and the fruits of the relationship. Is it something that is generative, right? Is it something that is um, bringing more of your true self or more of your calling out into the world? Um, is it something that's shutting you down, that's isolating you, that's, that, is, um, that is causing some physical illness and ailment? Then that might not be a relationship you would want to continue um, on with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And that's kind of what I figured. I mean, you, you a lot of times will catch on with a human relationship if it's going to be good or not good so it makes plenty of sense that you would have the same senses as a spiritual uh relationship or marriage i was just kind of curious because a lot of people i'm sure a lot of people have asked that i'm sure a lot of our listeners would ask that too yeah and and what i recommend is if this looks like territory that you're headed into either because a spirit has come to you and is interested in uh, either an intimate or a bonded relationship with you, get yourself a mentor, get some divination support, get some um, support, find a community of like-minded people that are, you know, in my case, when this started happening for me, which is what was the, the root and the impetus of all of this research in the first place is I was having a spirit appear and um, wanting, asking me repeatedly if I would marry it. And I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't have a system of support around this. I'm no, like not, uh, or at least not, not yet, not until I know more. And then I went out and had, you know, uh, I found my first uh, mentor, Orion Foxwood in the fairy seership tradition, who really helped um, and who is spirit wed himself and really helped me discern a lot of things. 
the divinations. I, I had a few different folks that I reached out to, including a transpersonal psychotherapist that I had been working with um, for years, who really was um, a rock star in helping me. And, and also as a transpersonal psychotherapist and a, a shamanic practitioner, wasn't immediately dismissing this as like fantasy, right? But was helping me ground it in my own psycho-spiritual practice. Okay. Um, so I've got two questions uh, and I'm going to ask both just so we stay on the same track. Cause I, I hate asking a question and having to jump back later in the show to be like, Oh, remember that thing you talked about early? Um, <laughs> first question is, can a human search for a spirit if they're interested in a spirit marriage? Um, and the second is, can you just tell us what exactly like a psychotherapist is or a psycho spiritual practice? Sure. So Yes, a, spirit, a human can definitely, um, what I like to call woo, a spirit, a divine relationship. Um, we see this a lot in the Shakta Tantric practices. So the practices that come out of um, India and in Tibet and Nepal, um, where uh, you one searches for their Ishta Devi. And the Ishta Devi is the chosen deity. It's the god or the goddess that they are sometimes chosen by, but often like choose them. It's this sort of symbiotic mutual choosing. And then once that being is found, once that deity is found, your whole spiritual practice sort of arrays around devotion to that being. And um, some of the more advanced practices, um, you're actually doing a kind of um, mystical erotic practice with that, with that divine being. Um, and, and, and it can lead into all sorts of other, you know, psychomagical and, and even um, sort of um, psychosexual practices as well. But, but this is, that's one angle. It's one way of looking at it is what is the, what is a divine being that I am in, um, that I'm attracted to, that I long to have a deeper relationship with. And you can deepen into that. And, you know, at some point the, the marriage may be an obvious thing that, that needs to happen either because the, the deity asks for it or because that you propose and they say yes. Um, so, uh, but often in, in most cases, um, it is uh, precipitated by the spirit. The spirit usually comes to the person and says, I want to marry you, or they come to a, um, a mentor, like a, a spiritual mentor, uh, particularly if you're working within the, the framework of a, of a specific tradition, they'll come to the, the priest or priestess in that tradition and say, I want to marry so-and-so. Um, and usually that's because that that marriage will bring something to the community. It's a benefit for the community to bring something to the community that um, couldn't be um, accessed otherwise. Okay. So then the other question was psychotherapy mm -hmm. and psychospiritual, right? right? Right. So psychotherapy is, is essentially therapy, right? Okay. A talk therapist, somebody that you're working with, transpersonal psychotherapy is understanding that we are more than just our mental processes, that we are mind, body, spirit complex, and that there are both um, within us and without us a myriad of potential beings and, um, and states that we can connect to. And so a transpersonal psychotherapist would take sort of all of that into account and understand things like archetypes and um, entities and all of these different ways in which um, we 
we show up in the world and inter- interface, interact with the world. And then psycho-spirituality is sort of that juicy place in between like what is me and what is beyond me spirit. Um, and it, it takes into account the idea that we are um, multifaceted beings embedded not only within our own inner constellation of like all our different um, parts, uh, like, you know, the young part, the rebel part, the lover part, or what Jung called archetypes. Um, there's archetypal selves, but that beyond that, there are um, spiritual beings, right? We're talking about entities here today, spiritual beings that one might also interact with, which aren't necessarily part of the local personality of the human. So we haven't asked this yet, and it's usually one of the first questions we ask people is, what brought you to this? Like, it's, and I say this from a a very respectful point of view, it's not something that most people would, would pursue. So what brought you to this spiritual marriage thing, and what made you want to write about it? Yeah, well... Um, like yourselves, I was raised Christian. I was raised, but I was raised in the Pentecostal tradition, right? So speaking in tongues, laying out of hands, channeling the Holy Spirit. Um, those were all sort of the waters that I swam in growing up through childhood and into young adulthood. So this kind of contact, right? Psycho-spiritual contact wasn't foreign to me. Um, when I got into college, and beyond, I became really fascinated with the phenomenology of Pentecostalism, right? The charismata, the way that the spirit sort of moves and enlivens the body and the fact that we have these sort of um, uh, beings, right? In my case, it was the Holy Spirit that, that were both sort of possessory, like, you know, a channeling, but also kind of um, I was in this devotional relationship And so I went to seminary, to the Graduate Theological Union, to study religion, to try and look at it transculturally. Like, what is this experience across many different cultures? And what are the different names for it? And what are the different ways that they describe it? And, you know, trying to get myself just out of that very sort of boxed in Christianity frame, which is fine and good, but I wanted a bigger picture. I wanted a bigger perspective. Um, And so, you know, fast forward to... After seminary, I decided to um, begin to study more of the like somatic or the body centered aspects of it. So I started doing a whole bunch of training in um, holistic healing arts from shiatsu to craniosacral therapy to a whole host of body body work and mind, body, spirit uh, techniques, hypnotherapy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and it was during those years that I think, you know, I was kind of lit up spiritually. I was kind of lit up on the astral realm and I started having various spirits showing up, um, that I realized I didn't want to necessarily just be this open revolving door for the spirits. I wanted a little more control over that, um, who I was saying yes to and no to and why. And so I, um, I initiated as a ceremonial magician and I got uh, sort of some really deep and strong training so that I could control my 
space, my psychic space a little bit better. Um, and along that, it was along that time that a being started showing up in my dreams specifically. I've always been a really strong dreamer and had like prophetic dreams and lucid dreams, that kind of stuff. And so um, this, this being, this entity started showing up in my dreams, asking me to marry it. And like I said before, I didn't really have a frame for that. I mean, I knew that there was historical precedent for it. Um, but I didn't know that people were still doing it. And, um, this was like 20 years ago. So I got really curious and because I was a academic and a researcher, I put, but also a practitioner, I put my scholar hat on and I went to town in the libraries and online and began to research it. And that research eventually, um, folded into me doing a dissertation uh, on the subject, a PhD, where I wrote about this and wrote about essentially my journey of trying to understand this, this phenomena for myself. Um, and that relationship, really the, 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 the bl blossoming of my, the relationship with the spirit contact really tracked to the years that I spent researching and interviewing and writing and, you know, has now become this book that is on spirit marriage. Oh, that's really, really awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a crazy adventure when you we, like it coming from our side of it, you know, it's not something that we just typically, we don't dream of spirits often. Uh, you know, occasionally we'll have like, like Justin or I will talk about it where we have um, a spirit guide show up and, and help guide us in a certain situation or something like that. But to have one that's constantly with you and helping you develop uh not so much an idea, but under, help you understand this practice and what it means. Um, when it comes to when you say or decide to say yes uh, to the spirit and marry, getting married to it, is, is it like just simply saying yes and boom, bang, done? Or is there actual a ceremony like right. you would have in real life? Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to figure out, right? Um, and the the answer to that is it depends on... Okay on you, on the spirit, on its cosmology, if you're sitting within a tradition. I mean, in some traditions, like in the um, African diaspora traditions of Haitian voodoo and New Orleans voodoo, um, there's a very elaborate marriage, the mariage loi. And um, the wedding is literally based on a human wedding and there's rings that are exchanged and vows that are stated and there's usually a cake and gifts and your whole community's there and the the bombo or the ungan the priest or the priestess stands as a proxy often for the spirit to sort of possess or come through them and then the marriage is done by proxy um, so it's a very elaborate ritual and that's not uncommon that showed up in a few of the different traditions that i surveyed um, and then in some cases and which was the case with me, it was finally after 15 years of saying, wait, I don't know, me finally saying yes, and then being in a uh, a community ritual that had nothing to do with my, well, it didn't, it, it was spirit, it was adjacent to, <laughs> to my spirit marriage, but it wasn't designed to, to complete the the marriage ritual, but it happened in that, in the con in the context of that community ritual that I was in. Okay. okay. So I read quite a bit of the book. I, I was really fascinated with the history of of spirit marriage because 
growing up, I loved Greek and Roman mythology. So what it initially made me think of is like Zeus coming down in his different forms and mating with women, or uh, even going into Egyptian mythology and, and Roman mythology, which was kind of the basis from Greek mythology. Um, so it really does transcend culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think people, you know, one of the things that people often ask me is, well, so what, why, why, why do we do this? Right. What's the purpose? And, um, when you look at the folkloric evidence of why people or what the out put or the, the outcome of these marriages were. I mean, you see um, really uh, uh, obvious examples of like hybrided, hybridized children, like in the Genesis account as well. If, I, I don't right. know if y'all are familiar with that line in Genesis where it says, and I think it's like Genesis 6-1 where this, or 6-2, where the sons of God saw the daughters of man that they were fair and took unto them wives. And this is generally understood, like if you look at the Enochian text, to be the angels, the Gregory, the watchers that saw the women and married them. And then they, they had children. They taught them all sorts of um, secrets, you know, that, right. that humans weren't privy to at the time. But then they also have these offsprings, which were these giants, these Nephilim that, um, that did depend, depending on the account, they were sort of a problem. But then there's other accounts where they were all also really um, constructive and helped humanity out. So it sort of depends on who's telling the story, but in any event, you see that these the byproduct of these relationships um, are either you know sort of the advancement of humans through intermingling of our DNA um, with otherworldly influences, or you know what's what's more common is the um, the advancement of our extrasensory capabilities. So typically these types of unions, the byproduct um, are often people who have um, the gifts of prophecy, divination, healing, some of these extraordinary capacities that like in the yogic traditions, they talk about the cities, right? These, these sort of extra, um, extra human capacity, extra human gifts. Um, but then in to, to just, uh, just, uh, dovetail with the, the Greek example that, um, that you gave Justin, um, I love the Greek story of Eros and Psyche because, um, Eros, who's this God, marries Psyche, who's a woman, right? And it's through their union that she's divinized, right? That she's deified herself. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of another byproduct is this, she's elevated. And then one final example, which I think is great, comes out of the, the, the Roman account of the first Sabine king of Rome, Numa Pompilius, who was married to a nymph, Egeria. And she actually dictated to him the first Roman laws that he put into place in Rome. And we see that again and again in like the high kings of Ireland and the, um, the regional lords that were married to yoginis in India, that marrying the, um, the otherworldly beings often confers like power and kingship and authority and creates sort of civilization. So the other thing I thought of, and 
this will be I'll copy Eric. This will be a two parter. Um, is there a difference between uh, um, spirit guides and a spiritual marriage? And is there ever a case where um, a spirit guide can become a spiritual marriage? Yeah, a spirit marriage. Yeah. Um, so again, it would go back to the example of the continuum, a spirit guide or a tutelary spirit, right? Um, if you if you look at the accounts that um, here in the West, at least around um, Plato and Socrates and the daimones, right? That's sort of the root of our tradition around tutelary spirits here in the West. Um, it is a being that is sort of this idea of a holy guardian angel or the being that watches over, takes care of you, guides you, warns you, and um, generally is a benevolent being. Um, and that being um, follows you out through your whole life. And in some cases, you know, if you look at the, the um, accounts in Roman Greece, was a being that followed your family. So it was this sort of patron deity that um, intergenerationally followed you, followed your family, and, you know, this kind of household spirit that you would um, be attached to. Um, and whether or not you might marry or step into a deep, I mean, through the, that lens, you're in a devoted relationship, right? You're in a devoted relationship to this being that is guiding you. It may, it probably it might not have been erotic, um, but it really just depends on the practitioner and the, the design of the relationship. So um, do I know of people, humans who had a guiding spirit that married them. I would say that probably all of our, uh, all of the folks that I know uh, that are married to spirits, their original um, contact started out as some form of a guide or tutelary spirit. Um, okay. Orion, when he first met his fairy wife, Bree, just thought she was a guide, a, a, a spirit that was there to teach him about environment and teach mm -hmm. him about earth and teach him about the nature realms. And it was only when uh, Bree, uh, the, his fairy wife, appeared to Orion's um, teacher, mentor, Dolores Ashcroft Nowishki, and said to Dolores, I want to marry Orion, that Orion even thought of marrying her. It wasn't even, you know, in his... Um, it, it wasn't on his dance card, you know, <laughs> he was a gay man and he had really had no idea. I mean, he knew that there was the folkloric fairy marriage, you know, right. historically, but he didn't think of it for himself. Um, and similarly, uh, Kama Devi, the Shakta Tantric uh, that I uh, interviewed, she had gone around trying to find her Ishta Devi in India and had gone to all these different temples trying to find her chosen deity. And... Um, and eventually Kali claimed her, the goddess Kali. And so she stepped into this devotional relationship with Kali as this sort of guide and mentor being. And then over a series of years, different tokens, different signs, different synchronicities happened and she was led into the marriage. So in her case, she talks about how the marriage before that was sort of like her dating around. And then really when she stepped in earnest, into the relationship with Kali was when she became a, a, a practitioner herself and began to carry a lineage stream and was initiated at deeper levels. 
Okay. Okay. So, I mean, from what you're saying, then a, a spirit marriage is very similar to any other type of marriage here on earth between two humans. And so you're devoted to each other and, you know, you don't go out looking to meet anybody else human or otherwise. Uh, is that something you can trust in your spirit, especially if some of these spirits that we know these entities can be in multiple, multiple places at one time? How do you know that maybe one of these spirits isn't out doing something else with somebody else? Well, well, this and how does that the, work? This is the thing we have to sort of set aside our ideas about monogamy, mm-hmm. right? Spirit marriage is actually a very polyamorous okay. um, practice, meaning most of the folks that I was interviewing were in committed human relationships, as well as married to a spirit. Some of them were married to more than one spirit. And for example, in the, in the, um, in the, Vodou tradition, right, where there's a very set specific cosmology of Loa or deities, um, there are many people that are married to the same spirit. You know, lots and lots of people are married to the the spirit Ogun, and um, they even there's a sort of camaraderie amongst them about you know, oh, is my is 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 he shown up for me today, or is he shown up for you? Sort of a sister wife kind of, you know, <laughs> dynamic, and so. Um, then, then I think that what makes it easy um, versus like being in physical polyamorous relationships with a much hum- with with a lot of humans or with even two humans um, is that you don't have to negotiate that level of jealousy or contact. You know, you can be with the spirit. Um, and be with your partner at the same time and uh, provided, you know, and, and in most of the cases where it works, um, for a human that's in a relationship with a, another human and a spirit is that the other partner knows, understands, accepts, maybe even is married in their own sp- spiritual practice as well. Um, so then I have to ask though, uh, in your research, is there any sort of like divorce rate and yeah. can you get divorced? Like what's yeah. that? Like? It really depends on the being that you're wedded to. Like, I wouldn't want to try and divorce the goddess Kali, right? Right. (laughs) Right. That sounds like a bad idea. It's it's not like, in in fact, when, when, when Kama tells the story, she says, you know, Kali kind of claimed her and she was like, oh no, 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 no. I wouldn't have chosen you. Like, I didn't really invite you to like, you know, even though she was earnestly searching for her Ishtadevi, she was like, I wouldn't have chosen Kali. She's like, you know, the fierce one. And I would have been much happier with one of the gentle ones. Um, But she actually went to an exorcist (laughs) to try and get the exorcist to tell Kali to leave her alone and the exorcist is like so let me get this right you said Kali claimed you and you asked her to leave and she won't leave and you want me to go in and tell her to leave like no (laughs) ma'am so so in that case and in in the case of Kama she is not married to a human and she finds that it's somewhat difficult to try and have human relationships not because Kali makes it difficult but because that the amount of I mean, she's a very highly initiated tantric and has a whole community of people that she teaches. She's a guru. And so um, to try and do that work that Kali has assigned for her to do and hold human relationships just doesn't work out so well for her because she's first and foremost devoted to the Kali relationship. But um, I I did interview someone, uh, 
Caroline Kenner, who is um, a, a witch practitioner, witchcraft practitioner. She calls herself um, a witch doctor in the old English definition of that term. Um, she is married to a few different spirits. And one of the spirits that she married um, fairly early on, I think, uh, she discovered that the relationship actually wasn't wasn't working out. It wasn't very beneficial for her. And um, the spirit was just being too demanding. And so she went to um, sort of like that spirit's boss in, in the particular cosmology, cosmology that she was working to working in. And she asked that supervisory spirit for the divorce and, and, and it, um, she was divorced that way, but it really depends on the spirit because for example, in Orion's case with his marriage to Brie, that was a seven year undertaking that completely rewired him and his nervous system to be able to interface with Brie, this fairy being who is like a, like, um, a primordial energy. Like we're not talking about Tinkerbell fairy. We're talking about these ancient primordial beings that really were shaping beings of the planet. And to really, to the, for the human nervous system to interface with that kind of a, a, a paranormal or um, extraordinary being requires a com- kind of a complete dismantling and rewiring of the nervous system. And once that takes place, it really can't be undone. So. Okay. Okay. So. I do have a question, and I've been kind of contemplating whether I want to ask it or whether I don't, but I think I'm going to. Um, you'd mentioned at the beginning about the the psychoerotic or psychosexual part of the relationship. Um, I guess my question is, how does that part work? Is it mostly just done in dreams, so you're, you're having more of a sexual dream and it comes out physically as well, or um, how does that all work? Yeah, it's a great question, and and um, the way I like to de- to to describe it is uh, well, first of all, I should say not everybody who is in a spirit marriage is necessarily has erotic contact with their spirit spouse. Just like not everybody who's in a human marriage necessarily has, uh, you know, we, there's a, throughout the course of human history there have been a lot of different ways that marriage constellates, right? Like not everybody gets involved in a marriage because they're in love, right? There's been, you know, historical precedent for people getting married for a variety of different reasons. So having said that, when, when one is having a more erotic contact with the spirit, it's usually um, for, it's, it's usually for a couple different reasons. Sometimes it's just for, um, for the arousal of pleasure and um, like kind of like why you would make love to your human partner for intimacy, for connection, for deepening that connection. But with, with the spirit um, aspect of it, it's not necessarily just for getting your rocks off. It's actually um, the, the erotic contact of the spirit vitalizes the human body. And we were talking about that rewiring. It actually is a kind of um, transmission or a kind of quickening of the nervous system of the human body, which just sort of feels like eroticism in the body, but is more under sort of the auspices of like a Kundalini 
um, Shakti or Kundalini awakening, where it's not just like the genitals that are aroused, but you're in like this full body exaltation where the energy is sort of interfacing with you in a way that is sort of reweaving and interweaving into your nervous system. And that can happen in dreams. It can happen in ritual. Um, it can happen in um, self-love and self um, um self-erotic practices. It can happen in a practice with your partner. So there's um, there's instances where the spirit beloved or the divine being will overshadow your partner and you'll you'll um, and that's a that's a deity yoga practice um, in the tantric tradition. So it can happen in a variety of different ways. Um, but the sort of the key is uh, just to circle back to what you're talking about with, with Zeus, right? The key is consent, right? When we're working with a being that we might want to have a bonded, intimate, long-term relationship with, we want to make sure that it's consensual. And so, you know, Zeus wasn't consensual by and large, right? He sort of forced himself. So we're not thinking of that as spirit marriage. We're thinking of that as, you know, spirit eroticism and, you know, in some cases, spirit rape. But this is specifically like two consenting, two consenting adults or two consenting conscious, consciousness, conscious beings. Okay. So the last question I really have is when it comes to, when you're thinking of marrying a spirit what are some precautions that you should consider before even taking a step in that direction yeah i call them my three d's devotion discernment and discipline so devotion we want to be devoted to um to the being that and we want to want to be devoted so we want to know the being well enough the entity well enough that we would want to devote ourselves to them, that they aren't, that we don't have any red flags, just like you would with a human person. Um, so know who the spirit is that leads us into discernment. How, what are the tools, the divinatory tools and otherwise that are your checks and balances so that you can really discern the who, what, when, where, why, and how of this contact of this entity. Right. And then the discipline, like you would with a human person showing up on the daily, showing up on the regs and getting to know them, talking to them, spending time with them. You know, you can't get to know a potential partner if you don't get to know them, if you don't talk to them, if you don't do the rituals and the practices that put you in contact with them on a, on a regular routine basis. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Megan, this is the part where we usually let our uh, guests go. So the mic is all yours to tell everybody where they can find you, find the book. Yeah. Um, So the book is coming out um, on April the 5th and I have a book specific website, spiritmarriage.com, where you can go learn more about the book. If you have experiences and stories you want to share, um, you can send those to me through the through that website, as well as a whole laundry list of resources and and um, both online and uh, literature that you can read about this. Um, and then I have a practice where I teach spirit marriage. I support people who are in spirit marriages or her spirit marriage curious. Um, and that's drmeganrose.com. All right, Dr. Megan Rose, thank you for being on Paratruth Radio. Thank you. It's been a joy to talk to you both today.
All right, folks, that was Dr. Megan Rose, author of Spirit Marriage, Intimate Relationships with Otherworldly Beings. Uh, make sure you check out her website, check out the book. Uh, definitely a very interesting conversation, and we will get a little more into our thoughts on it in post-show. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. You'll hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Fair Truth Radio. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Have you ever wondered what space smells like? According to bestlifeonline.com, space has a very distinct odor that hangs around post-spacewalks. Astronauts like Tony Antonelli and Thomas Jones have described the scent as hot metal, sulfur, and searing steak. This was Eric's random fact of the day. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratooth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We just got off the line with Dr. Megan Rose, and we talked about her book, Spirit Marriage, Intimate Relationships with Otherworldly Beings. Uh, You know, this is one that Justin and I have discussed off air over the last several weeks, actually. We're really quite excited when we found this book um, and this author. So it's great to finally have her on. So now that the conversation's over, I mean, what what are your thoughts on on all of this? Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest. It's still a little odd to me. Uh, Maybe it's because of, like I told Megan, maybe it's because of how I was brought up. Maybe it's because um, it's never been discussed. Even with the the couple of of mentors that I've had uh, once I've started my journey through mediumship and stuff, it's never been discussed. Um, And the one time that you and I had had a guest on about something like this. Um, it was about unwanted sexual contact from a spirit. Right. So it was, it was technically a rape situation, uh, but that person didn't want me to refer to it as rape, which is odd. But like I had told her, you know, from the historical side of things, it, it does make sense and from the different religions and stuff, but I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I could commit myself. I can't even commit myself to being a full medium or commit myself to what I'm going to have for dinner. I, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think it's, it, it, I mean, it's vastly different than committing yourself to be, being a medium or to dinner, but you, you'd have to look at it more as like you are with your wife and how you'd be committed. Because this isn't some, I don't think it's based on our conversation with, with Megan. It, it's not so much, uh, oh, I need to show up at this time at on this day, every oh, right. day or whatever. It's right. Just they're there. They're, you know, they're always there in some form, apparent, you know, seemingly. Um, you know, I know in the book it stated that they might visit in dreams, but that they also are with you in your awakened state, even though you may not always sense them or or you know be able to talk to them, even they're still there. Uh, and it's kind of like that idea of which was I think stated in the introduction of her book, um, the idea that consciousness is just it's existent everywhere. It's, um, it's all around us. It's all around us. Despite what science might believe. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I don't know, it is certainly weird, you know, it's, and I, one thing that she, you know, that she stated, I think is makes it more understandable or, or I'll just say understandable. Cause I can't, I don't want to fish for words here, but these, people that she had spoken about uh, with us, their relationships with these spirits are basically, you know, they, 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 they formed over years and years and years. This isn't like, you know, six months and whatever. Hey, I met this spirit last night and oh my God, you know, like I can picture myself burying her or him or whatever. <laughs> it is not like that. So you know, but in my mind at the same time, it's like, how many times have there been deceitful spirits that have come in uh, to my own life, but into our life, especially when we're doing investigations and, you know, we have these deceitful spirits trying to uh, trick us into believing one thing when in reality, it's the opposite. Uh, and I had imagine that a spirit that is well enough, who, who's, who's, um, strong enough in, in terms of their deceit they may be able to go for years and years and years and years and years without ever letting the human know one way or the other whether they're good or bad um but i guess again that's just all up to the person and their discernment you know well and that, that's kind of what i mean when i'm saying i couldn't commit to that because it i don't trust my own discernment or 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 inner voice or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't trust myself to the, to that point that I could say, yeah, I know that I know that spirit. That is not who they're saying they are. That's not Thor. It's Loki acting as Thor. And I don't <laughs> want that relationship. Um, that's what I mean it, is I, I couldn't commit because I don't trust myself to know the difference. Right. But you don't think that you would maybe know the difference after six years of engaging with this spirit on a daily basis. If it was a deceitful spirit and a strong one, how would you know the difference? And if you okay. don't have that discernment enough well, to know the difference. Fair, fair enough. But then let me ask you this. Um, we're talking about spirits. So how do you know your wife is who she says she is? How do you not know she's just a big creep? I mean, we know who she is. She's kind of a creep. <laughs> but beside that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't. You know? <laughs> I, okay. I, tr okay. I, I trust mean, that she is telling me who she is, but right. there's a huge, like you had mentioned, there's a huge difference between the spiritual and, and the human side. We can trust spirit 
Sure. Same thing with talking about mediumship and trust that you're talking to who the spirit says they're talking to. Mm -hmm. In my mind, maybe it's because I haven't been trained enough or, or maybe it's my own inner doubt or whatever you want to call it. I don't know that I can trust whatever it is I'm talking to because it's not human. Um, and maybe that is my human side too, saying it's not it's un, un under uh not able to be understood, so don't trust it. Just like right. we've had this issue for for millennia over the the different cultures that meet each other. Oh, sure. you're different. You're not who I am, so I don't think that you're a good person or a good good society. Right. Hey, so. I see what you're saying. And the idea of meeting a spirit who is, uh, I guess, infinite, right? Who knows how long they existed before us and who knows how long they'll exist after us, maybe just forever. Um, you can't quite tell how much time they've had if they needed practice. Of course, if they're infinite, then they were just right. are what they are, right? And how they are. Whereas, um, and of course, I don't know if... Um, people like Megan or Orion know exactly what these spirits look like. Like do they show up in physical forms or in some other form in the dreams or how does that work? Uh, and I don't know if these entities have certain mannerisms, whereas a human you'll be able to maybe in some cases, at least uh, probably in most cases detect some sort of deceit um, or, uh, something fallible about them just based on their own mannerisms and how they act or react to things uh, with facial expressions or movements that may help us better solidify our belief in them, you know, our, 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 what we want to trust in, in another person. Right. Right. So maybe yeah, that's yeah. the biggest difference. It It's one of those things that I'll put it like this as an example. You you go to a house as a medium and you're you talk to a spirit. Um and it is just like with a normal human, you can only trust what they're telling you at first. Most spirits don't usually talk in language, they talk in visualization. So they will show you something or 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 uh flash an image or something to say, okay, this is what I'm trying to tell you. In humans, we have our normal five senses that will detect inflection, body language. Is this person sweating so you can smell the sweat on them? Um, those kinds of things. And for me, unlike other other mediums who have honed their abilities, I have not honed my ability enough to sense those those things. Or even somebody like yourself, through through your religious faith, you've honed that ability at least to the sense because we've talked about it before, where you kind of sense more of a negative energy, where I just kind of just sense energy in general, right? So I guess my final question to you is, well, let me start first, like over with past conversations that we've had with guests, say, for example, you want to connect with your spirit guide, you want to better understand them and uh, I guess 
reach out and have them help you in discerning something or making a decision. Uh, and what do they often tell us? Before bed, kind of do a little mantra or a chant, uh, if you will, right. ask the spirit guide to visit you, things like that. So tonight, when you go to bed, the question is, are you going to ask a spirit who'd be interested in marrying you to come visit you so you could better understand what spirit marriage is about? <laughs> um, if anything, what I would probably do is, and again, I don't understand that enough to, to want to say, I'm going to commit to this. This is what I want. You know, I want to understand things. Um, if anything, I would ask a guide or, or angel something that i feel i trust to show me what this is or what it means before i say okay hey aphrodite i i you know i i want to talk to you come come talk to me maybe we can get married or, or however it works i, I still right. don't completely understand it um and the weird part is, is I have felt my guides and and kind of heard them a little bit to start understanding, okay, they're okay. Um, and like I said before, maybe that's part of it is I, I really need to hone myself, my, my senses before I commit to something like that. But I right. am not going to go to bed tonight and be like, Aphrodite, let's get married. You know, let's start talking and get a relationship going so we can get this thing going. No. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, and, and I've talked to you about this, I have a hard enough time uh, uh, committing to having a relationship with with the God of, of Christianity, let alone any other God or, or entity that is in other religions. So... Okay. And so you you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but what what is kind of your opinion on it or do do you feel that when we were talking to Megan she had brought up, you know, uh the relationship with uh God and the Virgin Mary or or God and the nuns in Catholic Catholic religion. Um do you think that that is kind of how it is since we come from Christianity and that's kind of where our mindset is. Sure. I mean, in terms of like Christianity, it really just depends on, uh, you know, basically what branch of Christianity you belong to, right? <laughs> whether you're Catholic or Protestant or uh, whether you're, you know, an independent or, you know, anything like that, non-denominational, depending on who or what church you're in or part of, you'll hear different things about what a, a marriage to God or to Christ is. Um, Christ is often known as, as you know, the groom um, or the bride's groom. And even for myself, who, who, you know, originally was in the Catholic church. And of course I didn't, I wasn't there till I was 18 years old. I didn't hear much about the idea of, of, spirit marriage or even marrying God other than what is placed like written in the scriptures. Uh, but in the new, um, sorry, in the non-denominational church that I started going to back in 2009, uh, they would liken it to simply uh, giving yourself 
in a spiritual sense, giving your heart to God, right? It's the acceptance of Jesus Christ in this case. Uh, and by doing that, you're basically marrying yourself onto God or onto Jesus and that you're going to devote yourself to him as he's going to devote yourself, his self to you. Uh, and you're going to walk the, the path that he walks. And that is of course, to refrain from sin and to be good, you know, do good unto others and things like that. It's not so much um, a marriage like we would think of it in human terms necessarily. Uh, but at the same time, it is, you know, you're not having weird relationships, you know, sexual relationships uh, in with Jesus in the Christian church. That's, that's a no, no, that's a weird thing. Right. Um, <laughs> that's really I, like, I, I started feeling like all heated, like just talking about it. It's like, Oh, I didn't cringeworthy. Um, I know, but it no, is Jesus. I don't, I don't want that kind of relationship. <laughs> But the idea is that you are, they call it marriage, but you're devoting yourself to Christ and you're, you're his church, you know? And so it, it's pretty much similar to what she's doing or uh, to what she said, uh, Megan said, but there's no real true ceremony other than baptism. Baptism right. is basically the ceremony into your quote unquote marriage with Christ. And, and she did bring up, that with the other religions too it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than you are devoted to them and you know she talked about the polyamorous side of it to being married right. to multiple entities so my question is to you do you feel you could be married to jesus and to kali at the same time no because i mean from my okay the only reason, I mean, no, the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because um, in, in Christian, uh, what do you want, like history, lore, scriptures, God is a very jealous God. And there is to be no other entity but him, no other God but him in your life. So the idea of marrying Jesus and then trying to marry Kali not there going be to happen is what you're saying what there would be spiritual bloodshed is what you're saying oh yeah for sure i mean it, it, and obviously there's god works in a very in, in this her uh what's called l that's one of his names capital e l um he is a very I guess like a, a quiet God in a way, you know, he does things behind the scenes. He whispers, he doesn't like yell for somebody. And so if you make a decision to go another way, even after you've already quote unquote uh, had your baptism and married into the Godhead, um, he may let you go do whatever you're going to do until it ruins you or you fail or whatever. And then he'll open his arms back to you again. Um on the flip side, if you're already married to Kali and you want to marry Jesus too, Jesus is like, well, she's got to go <laughs> in order for me to come, you know? Uh, and we've talked about that in the past. It's the idea of like uh, hauntings or possession uh, when a, a spirit has to be cleansed. And when that spirit's cleansed, the new home needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if it's not, that spirit, the evil spirit comes back again and fills itself 
with a bunch of other more evil spirits and it becomes even worse than it already was. So there's always got to be a replacement. You can't just be an empty shell or have, you know, it's got a kind of weird thing. Fair enough. guest is next week because I forgot. All right, folks. Uh... All right, folks. Next week, we're going to be having on Kat Gina Cole. She's the author of Psychic Skills for Magic and Witchcraft, Developing Your Spirit, Intuition, and Clairvoyance. Um, another really good book, uh, especially if you're you're into the into magic or into psychic abilities. Something Eric and I have talked about, and part of the reason we wanted to get Megan on is that we want to kind of mix things up. Um, even though she talked about psychic stuff, um, we are a paranormal show, not just a psychic medium magic show. So um, we want to start adding more diverse guests on. So we're trying to get anybody who is into cryptozoology, um, extraterrestrials. So we do have a bunch of that lined up, but if you have any guests that you have not heard in a while or you haven't heard on our show that are into any of those parts of the paranormal, reach out to us. We would love to get them on. A friend of ours had told us about a guest who is a psychic witch, or I'm sorry, a vampire witch, who would that would actually be a very interesting show for us because it's a mix of two that... I didn't even think would exist, but we'll uh, we'll definitely look into that as well. Um, anything else you have that we need to announce or, or anything like that? Um, do, 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 do. no. Oh, uh, you know, for those of you who follow us or follow me, I'm sure you'll you've seen it by now. But my birthday was this past week, so if you haven't said happy birthday to me, shame on you. I'm in upset with you and i don't want to talk to you anymore um otherwise <laughs> i mean no, i have nothing how old are you what 35 not, not uh i mean as of recording this yes as of the day after recording this no i'm 36 you're 36 okay so it's not even a milestone <laughs> birthday who the hell cares <laughs> you know what to some to some people that's all they have okay Jeez. Well, happy birthday, Eric. It's early right now, but late when this show releases. Um, so everybody wish Eric a very happy birthday. Uh, he's slowly approaching over the hill, which I am already at, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, uh, wish Eric a happy birthday and uh, stay tuned for all the great shows coming up for Paratruth Radio. Make sure you're checking about uh, checking out Evergreen Podcasts and KillerPodcasts.com. They continually add new shows to Killer Podcasts, which is awesome. I'm super stoked for the lineup that they're going to end up with. But until next week, next week, folks, where you will find us same time, same channel, my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is the truth radio.
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.